0: Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing, with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the boxing scholar himself, the one and only Joel Illier, Joel how are you? I'm good, thanks, Joe. How are you doing, man? I'm very good, thank you. Good. You, you had a decent weekend, all that? Yeah, it was a busy one. I saw uh, some older uh, friends in uh, Kent. You have old so friends? I have old friends, older than you. <laughs> 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 they look younger, though. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. It's not that bad. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good, mate. Lots of family stuff, all that. Very nice. Good, good. Yeah. And uh, you watched the boxing? Did watch the boxing. Good. I always watched the boxing. You watched it live. I had to catch up on it, though. I did watch it live. I watched it live and I watched it
1: sleepy. Well, I wasn't sleepy for Borazzi, although he made me a little bit sleepy. Yeah, actually. we're, we're going to come yeah. to that. <laughs> but, but I was definitely sleepy for, um, for the other one, the big one.
0: Yeah. Right. Why don't we jump straight in? So our boy Canelo Alvarez against John Ryder, the uh, massive... Uh, well, I say massive matchup, not really a massive matchup per se, but certainly the attendance was massive. 50,000 people uh, there to watch Canelo return. And he did what we expected him to do, which was to completely dominate the fight. John Ryder, however, did go the distance, and that was a surprise because I was expecting him probably to get banged out. Um, but he didn't. He took his licks well in this fight and he came back all the time from, you know, when, when thing got tough, mm. he,
1: he got going in that one. He showed every, he showed the stuff that we always want to see from a fighter. I was quite impressed yeah. by his effort, but I think it showed what the fight was because we couldn't have possibly expected or wanted any more from Ryder in that fight. Mm. And
0: for me, like still won every round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you touched on him having the stuff because in the fifth round, he was put down by a straight right hand from Canelo. Well, he'd already... I think it actually goes back to the second round, Joe, because in the second
1: round, I think it was um, the last punch of the round, pretty much. Canelo just clearly just absolutely smashed Ryder's nose to smithereens. It was just split across his face. Yeah, yeah. He's done, and that is an awful thing to happen in a fight like that yeah. it makes it so difficult to go on and to to do what you need to do especially when you're fighting someone like Canelo really the way to beat Canelo these days is to outwork him yeah. and it makes it virtually impossible to do if you can't if you can't breathe through your nose especially when you've got a mouth guard in. Yeah, so it was a tough one for him so from the second he, he was fighting through adversity from them and then yeah that knockdown in the fifth I mean I I don't know what your impression was of that Joe that looked to me like he was knocked down through pain because it was a 1-2 landed square on the nose. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was... He just sort of collapsed to the, to the canvas. And I thought then, there is no way this guy's getting out the round, yeah. let alone getting out the fight. Yeah, And so all the props in the world to him, he, he, he got through somehow. He also got put quite badly in the ninth as well. Yeah. And again, just managed to actually rally in the same round. I thought he won the rest of that round, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he he done brilliantly. And he, he seemed to thrive in the occasion. That's what.
0: I he rose really, to it.
1: He rose to it. Yeah. He rose to the occasion. But I wasn't wrong in what I said. He thrived in that. In that environment, Mm. in that massive event. When he got to Mexico, it was clearly a huge event over there. Mm. Over here, it was a Canelo fight. In America, it was a Canelo fight. It was what it was, you know. As I say, we didn't expect that much. In Mexico, this was Canelo's homecoming. This was a huge event. The guy's actually a much bigger star than I realized. Yeah. Canelo. Yeah. But actually, I think Ryder, it seems, ended up a little star over there as well. That seems to be the the um, narrative
0: of the event, yeah. So yeah.
1: no, it was cracking, absolutely cracking. Really, he, it was a, it was
0: sort of an impressive show. It's funny actually because when uh, John Ryder went down in the uh, fifth round, I genuinely thought when I was watching the fight the next day that judge the way he looked at the corner and he and he did get up around eight or nine. He left it a little bit late. I do think it went through his mind at that moment: is this worth it? The punishment? Should I? Should I just quit? Basically, well, or should I? just showed us stuff, fight on. And I think he had that sort of moment of realisation where he was like, I could go out on a whimper here or I could try and go out on a bang. Well, he's described it as his rocky moment. Yeah. So that's
1: definitely what happened. I think it was there. Yeah. It was like he had a choice to make. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those moments, what do you do in that life-defining moment, which it is for a boxer, that's it. You know, he's there He's in Mexico In front of 50,000 fans With the pound for pound A top 5, 10 guy In front of him But the biggest star In world boxing What's he going to do In that moment of crisis Does he crumble? We've seen it enough And we call it out Yeah You know, but he didn't He went for it He did what we want to see From boxers You just can't Can't
0: argue with that man No. So fair play to uh, John Ryder and, uh, you know, a really gutsy performance, did himself proud. Canelo, as we understand, will be going on to a rematch with Dimitri Bivol at light heavyweight. It's all, when I hear Eddie Hearn talking at the
1: moment, though, it's all, it doesn't sound as guaranteed as it did before the fight. Yeah. Now I hear Hearn talking and he's all going, well, it's up to to Bivol. Can he actually get down to 168, which is where Bivol wants the fight, apparently. Yeah. Because he's saying he can't get up for the fight because it was so easy first time around. (laughs) Okay, can't get up for the biggest payday of your career, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to see it. We want to see it. But if not, what else could he do at Super Middle? Is there anything actually for him to do at the weight anymore?
0: I'm not sure there is. I mean he totally cleaned it, I mean, out the division. It's whether someone moves up from middle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose he's got David Benavidez is the, probably the one fight I would say I, I think he would like to see that. And I guess that would be a big, big fight yeah. in, in Mexico is Benavidez
1: is Puerto Rican, isn't
0: he? I think isn't he Mexican, is he Mexican as well? Maybe he's I think Mexican. he might have some Mexican blood in him.
1: Either way. Puerto Rican or Mexican, He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big fight, I guess, for, for that part of the world, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So let's see what happens then. Who knows? Canelo uh, doing what he does best and, yeah, putting on a, a performance. But again, fair play to John Ryder.
1: Sorry, can, I, can we go back there quickly? Joe, do you yeah. think that
0: Canelo's, was there evidence there that Canelo has aged? Oh, yeah. So I'm actually glad you brought that up, Joel, because probably the one thing that stood out about this fight more than anything was the fact that John Ryder managed to go the distance. Now, I do not think that Canelo, of three or four years ago, John Ryder's not going the distance with you, not in a month of Sundays. And I think, you know, the fifth round being the, the, the showcase example... I think I'd agree. Ryder was that,
1: hurt. Yeah, the Canelo that was in there with Liam Smith, Amir Khan, James yeah. Kirkland, these guys, he's not letting him off the hook. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think this is maybe something, you know, he's going up and down in weight so much. It doesn't help your stamina, mm. does it? And, no. the, and the way I look at him to fight these days, I do think that he's constantly aware of his output and his stamina issues. He reminds me a little bit almost of of the way David Hay fought for most of his career. He always had one mind on not overdoing it and not sort of collapsing. So I I think we've got that now. We're in that stage of Canelo's career. So it'll be interesting how he fights out of it.
0: Yeah, no, interesting indeed. Right, let's turn our attention to a fight which may have sent you to sleep, Joel. Joshua Boazzi against Pavel Step in, and this was Joshua Boazzi's uh, debut on Sky. And obviously, he made such a big hoo ha of, uh, you know, him being available to a much bigger audience as part of uh, the reasons why he left uh, Matchroom in the zone. Joshua Boazzi won this comfortably on points. And uh, but I have to say, when I watched the fight the next day, I really wish I hadn't, <laughs> to be brutally honest with you. <laughs> I think In, in Boatsy's defence, this was his first fight for a
1: year. Yeah. And uh, that's tough for any fighter, especially yeah. at this age. He's how old is he? He's, About um, 30. Yeah, he's 30 years old. Uh, that's not good. However, on the flip side, as you say, this was his coming out party on Sky Sports. This was meant to be a showcase fight for him. This is your sort of easy first fight with a new promoter yeah. that they give you. That it's meant to make you look spectacular. It's not meant to be a learning fight. That's not what it was. No, it shouldn't have been anyway. You shouldn't be working on new stuff in the gym. This is where you go. Yeah, I'm back in the big time on Sky Sports. Let's be spectacular. There was at no point in that fight did he look to me like he was trying to force things yeah. and really move up in level. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have a change of gear throughout, and that was my major problem with him. He was one pace the whole fight. Okay, his jab looked all right, but not spectacular. Yeah. You know, his body work looked alright, but not spectacular. That was all all the fight was. And so it's a little bit Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the the problem that we had with Anthony Joshua the other week. This was meant to be a showcase and it wasn't. It sent
0: us to sleep. Mm. That's the problem. All right, so. Joel, what next then for Joshua Boazzi after that somewhat underwhelming performance? Dan Aziz was at ringside. Oh He's yeah. on Sky. Oh, that tasty. the British Commonwealth and
1: European champ, is he? Anyway. He's got a few. He's got a few. He's domestically the top dog at the moment. Yeah. And we're going to go into it later on in the pod with our um, magazine lottery section but the importance of domestic dust-ups. Yes. Now, we've got two guys that I think they would combine for a really good fight. They're friends, apparently. You know, they look really friendly uh, ringside, but they also had that little bit of needle. They knew that there might be a fight coming up. Yeah. So I want to see that fight. That's what I want to see. I want to see Browatsi against disease. That would spark life into
0: that Sky Sports, like heavyweight yeah. stuff going on at the moment. Definitely. Do you think that will happen next? Then I mean, actually, when you think about it, that's yeah. probably probably the, the fight to make. I do because where else he go? If you look at the rankings, there he's not going
1: to fight better at the moment. He could have fought him in this fight under the match from banner, and he mm. decided not to. Dmitry Bibble is going to be fighting Canelo probably yep. next. Yep. Um, Callum Smith is looks like is fighting better Bev. Um, <laughs> we'll go into that a little bit. I don't. Und- a lot of people seem to be giving Cannon Smith a chance yeah, I know that's not what we're talking about but it baffles me but anyway yeah, yeah. Um, you know Anthony Yard is with BT so that's not going to happen Yeah, he's not going to have a rematch with Craig Richards because that would have been on the where mm. they
0: both were so I don't really see where else he goes yeah no fair enough um, hopefully he goes somewhere the uh, performances might be a bit more exciting no offence Josh <laughs> <laughs> And how could it not be exciting <laughs> against Dan Aziz, though? Eh? He's always yeah. going to bring the action, man. He's bringing the fight. <laughs> It'll be Dan bringing the excitement and Joshua bringing the uh, snooze fest. Anyway, so we go. Right, let's get on to the news section. And uh, Matchroom have made two major signings. Firstly, the Walter weight belt holder, Regis Progress, who we're big fans of. And secondly, and Joel thinks possibly more significantly, the Cuban amateur great Andy Cruz. So look, mate. Cruz is the reigning Olympic lightweight champion. He's mm. three-time
1: world amateur champion. Mm. He's one of the true great amateurs of all time. Yeah, and he's just turned pro. So How old this is, is, he? is huge. I think he's twenty-seven years old. Okay, he's so not he's that old. He's still young, got. Yeah. He's still got probably six, seven years at okay. top level. He's. Been banned from the Cuban team. He was banned because he, he tried to defect a couple of years that. ago. Do yeah. you remember? We yeah. covered it on this. It was about yeah. 18 months ago, I think, a year, 18 months ago. Um, so he failed failed defection. Uh, he's now got out. He's got his visa to the US. It's going to be big news, this. Um, he's a beautiful stylist as well. He's mm. known as the dancing boxer in Cuba. Yeah. He, but he's only got nine stoppages and 149 amateur bouts, shy. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So he's. I. Uh, I think he is he's great like Guillermo to watch.
0: Rigondeau, isn't he?
1: <laughs> I think he does. To be <laughs> fair to him, he's a little bit more fun to watch than Rigondeau. I don't yeah. think he's going to be quite that sleep-inducing. But <laughs> yeah, he's he's not your. <sighs>
0: He's 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 not your your wham bam thank you ma'am type yeah. type fighter. Although having said that, the amateur uh, fights will be far fewer rounds, and yeah. you never know. He may just he might actually take to the pro game pro game and be able to. He might just show his power in the later you know yeah. rounds of fights. Who he knows? might do, and
1: he's, he's starting off in a ten rounder.
0: Yeah, I think in June. I think they're sticking him straight in, in June in a ten rounder.
1: So they, they obviously want him. Eddie Hurd's been saying that they want him in title fights. Asset they yeah. think he
0: can sort of beat anyone straight away oh, wow. so we'll
1: see maybe we're, they're going to go the Lomachenko route
0: yeah yeah no true that's a, that's a good idea yeah no wouldn't be interesting if he wins like a when how so Lomachenko won a title in his third fight he okay. lost his title, his his
1: So he his fought a ranked. He, no, he, he won his first fight. He fought a ranked opponent in his first fight. He lost his second fight yeah. against Orlando Salido. Salido. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I actually still hadn't won in the fight, but Salido fought the most dirty pro fight. It was, it was the perfect fight for Salido to fight. Fair yeah. play to him. Yeah, and and it taught Lomachenko a lot. But it was his third fight. He he won in his first fight against Gary Russell Jr. Okay,
0: so uh, there we go, Andy Cruz, you've got, you've got, got to do that it in to two fights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything to say about Regis Progray? Well, I think it's a great fight signing by Matchroom.
1: Progray's been sort of in the wilderness for years, really, since his fight with Josh Taylor, even though he's picked up a belt at like, well, he beat, yeah. he beat the PDA a few months back for the belt but really he should be one of the top names in the sport he's a really engaging personality he's a great boxer that fight with Josh Taylor a few years back could have gone either way that was a real sliding doors Mm. moment Mm. if he'd won that his career is completely different Josh Taylor won it and his career has absolutely taken off so I think that it's a big signing but he is in his early 30s now Um, he's going straight in they've got him a fight booked against the Australian contender Liam Payro on on June 17th and that's going to be in Ruguru's hometown of new orleans as well so it's a
0: a good start for him i think on 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 design nice nice right let's move over to our boy javonta davis following his fight last week he's been handed a sentence of 90 days home detention 200 hours community service and three years probation for the hit and run incident in 2020 so i'm correct he hasn't been sent to prison no, he's got to a, stay at home for 90 days. He's got a, a suspended <laughs> sentence. Well, I think it's clear that he's not in prison, so he got, he got a good result there, he considering did. all the misdemeanors he's been running up over the years. He did, but Joe, three years probation. I mean,
1: surely he's not surviving that. Knowing him, I mean, he's got a stretch coming, mate. I, I just cannot see him staying out of trouble for three years. Yeah, in fact, point, I, I might get in touch with Paddy Power, see if I can <laughs> yes. stick a little special
0: on. <laughs> got, got the odds <laughs> on that. <one. laughs> Yeah, no, uh, good luck, Javonta Davis, avoiding any more trouble for three years. <laughs> we'll be watching with bated <laughs> breath. Right. Amanda Serrano against Heather Hardy is set for a rematch of their 2019 encounter on the undercard of Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, which is scheduled for the 5th of August on the zone pay per view. Joel, anything to say?
1: Well, Heather Hardy is a former belt holder at Featherweight, but she's well past her best now. But yep. she's pretty and has a good name. Yeah. Um, mm. She's sort of unsuccessfully dipped her toes in MMA waters recently as well. Also, this is actually, as I say, it was a rematch. Um, Serrano beat Heather Hardy for
0: Hardy's Featherweight belt a few years ago. Convincingly? Back. So, yes. Ah, okay, fair enough. I mean, both of them, Amanda Serrano's on the slide now as well, but I'm I'm imagining Serrano would be a massive upset if she lost this fight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Um. so top rank have won the purse bid for the arta of callum smith fight. You mentioned earlier, Joel, that quite a few people think Callum-Smith has a chance, which is a bit strange.
1: It <laughs> is a bit strange. When you look at it in the context, that uh, the only time he's really stepped up in class hugely to this level was against Canelo, a couple of years, but a few years back. What was that? In 2020 now, I think it was. Yeah. And he was thoroughly outclassed for every second of every round mm. in that one. So I, I don't really see where this is coming from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I I see him having no chance, really, of winning this fight. And I'd be surprised if Betaviev doesn't stop him either. And that might be a bit... There is something about Callum Smith, though. I will say that. He's... Tall, really tall, rangy, but he's got that he can bang too. But but, uh, that doesn't mean you're he. he, He's just not refined enough in all the other aspects. No, but he's.
1: But the thing is, he is tall and he could be rangy, but he doesn't fight rangy, does he? He he, he doesn't really fight long. No, and that was his problem against Canelo. He didn't use his advantages in that fight. He was sort of quite comfortable. Well, he
0: seems to be more comfortable fighting at mid-range. Yeah, yeah. Right, Jamie Mungier against Sergei Derevchenko is set for June 10th on the zone. That's quite an interesting fight, really, in that Jamie Mungier just seems to have been fighting a load of nobodies, and Sergei Derevchenko will provide a test. So it'd be interesting to see if um, he can uh, overcome that one. What do you think? Agreed, yeah. yeah. I haven't got anything else to say on that. It's, it's a decent fight. Right, in repeated interviews last week, our boy Connor Ben. <laughs> Stated his intention to continue his career abroad. I say, our boy, sarcastically. He clearly hasn't been listening to the pod. If he wants to continue his career abroad, uh. yeah. I mean, it's uh, still nonsense, isn't it? Did you see the boxing news interview as well that they did with him in the mag? No. Yep. Yeah, so there's a, a, a. So basically, it sort of turns to that. You know, all the wishy washy questions. How are you? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Mental health okay, blah blah blah. And then, what's this about you know, you fighting abroad?
1: What's he yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's you know, that's the that We've got this name and that name lined up, blah blah blah. Well,
1: it's funny because he says that, but then at the same time, they have actually finally turned over their you know 297-odd page document through to UCAD now. Yeah, and when I've heard Hearn talking. He is saying that they're trying to sort it now yeah. with the authorities. Yeah. So although he's he's talking all of this business, mm. maybe really
0: it's just you know a, a huge amount of bullshit. Yeah, I think they'd be uh, well advised to just not let Conor Ben do any interviews or media appearances It'd with stop anyone. Him.
1: I completely <laughs> agree. He makes things worse for himself every time. Yeah he's he's not
0: coming across well and what was weird actually about that was that he said in that interview that he does regret some of his actions or they didn't say specifically what but then you go on to say things that make people like me think well you're going to continue to regret your actions then yep so have you really learned your lesson i don't know right anyway um on to other news david light Sadly, uh, following his March 25th fight with Lawrence Okoli, is in hospital after uh, falling ill with a blood clot once back in New Zealand. I'm not sure what his particular condition is at uh, present. I'm assuming he's it's not serious. He, yeah, they've described it as
1: a mild stroke. Oh, really? Yeah. So, that put well, paid to his career, though. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it necessarily is going to put pain to his career. It depends what what the thing is. I mean, it depends where the clot is. I guess because if the clot's on his brain, yeah, then I imagine it would put pain to his yeah. career pretty much. It doesn't
0: sound good. It doesn't.
1: Does no it? God. No.
0: No, when you mentioned that he had a mild stroke, I was like, oh, actually, this does sound quite serious for an athlete. But he said <laughs> that the, the picture I saw of him though, he looked all right. He was sitting up in bed. Yeah, having a cup of coffee. Yeah. tea. <laughs> yeah, I doubt coffee after a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should uh, you know just to test if you're really okay and recovered have a coffee <laughs> Just get you up um, mate <laughs> anyway laughter aside I hope you hope David uh, like recovers well and obviously hope that he's uh, you know he, he can still continue fighting Right, here's an interesting news story. So, boxing news, which we're big fans of, we, we get it every week, yeah. read it from cover to cover. Other than or, other than the Conor Ben story last week, obviously. Yeah, or in my case, uh, from uh, cover to the start of the amateur boxing scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least <laughs> well, you're honest. At mate. which
0: point I can't be asked, <laughs> right? So, boxing news has a new owner, and this is media company ID Boxing, and uh, they've obviously been making huge waves in boxing. And particularly, their social media content is truly excellent, and it uh, seems like it's a, a, a good, a good move for boxing news in terms of maybe uh, reaching out to more non-traditional ways of growing your audience. Social media, really, I think that's probably what the yeah. acquisition is is aiming to, to achieve. So Matt Christie, editor of Boxing News, has said that really he's been trying
1: to modernise Boxing News for a while now in terms of getting more content online, yeah. but that their traditional paymasters who are print media just didn't really, I I think it just wasn't their thing. Yeah. They didn't have the knowledge, expertise and um, uh, infrastructure. Yeah. Really to do that. And so this is a much better fit. We all know anyone listening to this, knows that really we follow boxing now online. It's yeah. YouTube, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, yeah. it's whatever, however you consume your stuff. And Boxing News, it's the oldest boxing mag in the world, oldest boxing media in the world, and it has to now move with the times. Yeah. And it's doing it, it needs to do it. This is. It seems like a great move. So basically ID Boxing is now going to be known as Boxing News yeah. and their social media is going to be known as Boxing News Plus. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of the boxing stuff that's on Boxing News Online now is going to be going through RD Boxing. Yeah. Yeah, is how it needs to go. This is, this is
0: a good move for, for Boxing News. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Well, Matt Christie was really excited about it and happy about it. Mind you, he would be can't really be the editor of a newspaper that's just been acquired and say, this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. The <laughs> worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> but no, it does look like it's going to be a good move. I just, you know, and and also having seen some of ID Boxing's content, they're also not the sort of media organisation to water down or you know they'll confront the difficult issues and there are many in boxing. So I think mm. you know that's good. They seem to have been acquired you know by a company that represents the same sort of values as what they do. So that's, that's good. Right, Matchroom and the Zone will extend their US and Mexico broadcast deal. Joe, anything to say about that? Uh, expected. Yeah. And, uh, oh, here's an interesting story. Ryan Garcia and his trainer Joe Goosen have split following Ryan's loss to Javonta Davis last week. This is such a funny one in the sense that there does seem to be a thing these days where particularly with maybe higher profile boxers where if they lose, the trainer seems to get elbowed out the door. And you hate this, don't you, Joe? I don't like it at all. Well, he hasn't even been with Joe Goosen long. How on earth you expect? How on earth do you expect uh, a really good trainer to make a difference if you're not actually willing to put the hard yards and graft and time in with? So I do think this is a more uh, getting rid of the trainer to maybe save face and get lens more weight to the excuse of well, you know, maybe things weren't right in camp. I don't like it. Joe Goosen clearly
1: understands and follows and agrees with you on that trend because he said afterwards he said well we all knew that was going to happen didn't we
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You no know, so he he knew yeah. that Ryan Garcia was just going to try and have a little scapegoat here. Yeah. it's it is what it is what the major boxers are doing at the moment. Yeah.
0: And I have to be consistent because I've been critical of Anthony Joshua for doing it. But I just don't like it. I just think no have a look at yourself you were terrible. Yeah.
1: Listen to Mr Consistency over there King Roy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Right, the Kinnahan of the Week. Deontay Wilder has been arrested in Los Angeles for carrying a concealed weapon in possession of marijuana. Now, I have to say, we've put this slightly uh, tongue-in-cheek as the Kinnahan of the Week because <laughs> nothing's really, no uh, preposterously ill-advised behaviours happened in boxing this week. People have been quite well behaved. It's been a weird one, is not it? Yeah, yeah. The- I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really have anything critical to say about Deontay Wilder. I mean, concealed weapon possession of marijuana. Gosh, we've seen a lot worse, haven't we? We have a concealed <laughs> weapon. You know, carrying a weapon in the
1: United States. Oh, what a shocker! I know, smoking <laughs> marijuana. What a what shocker! A shocker. <laughs> But we didn't have anything else to, to put in here. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. We're going to be judgmental this week. So yeah. ah, What a terrible bastard. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you
0: see the air of your ways, yeah. Deontay. <laughs> so uh,
1: clean yourself up. Go rehab.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. Magazine lottery time. And Joel, I believe you pulled out a magazine last week. I did. What's it going to be on? So
1: we, uh, I pulled out an edition of Boxing News, which I don't think I've got with me. So I'm not going to pretend to know the date and all of that <laughs> of the magazine. It was the but one it, we mentioned last been, week's episode. It, yeah, it, it would have been in and around the 11th of September <laughs> 2009. Yeah. Right? So right. it's around that period. It would have been just after that. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. In fact, I know exactly when it would have been because it would have been the following Thursday, wouldn't it? So it would have been the 17th of September, 2009. There we go. There we go. Good. So uh, this was, I'm going to cover on this one, the fight that many believe Tyson Fury lost. Ooh. So yeah, this is John McDermott versus yeah. Tyson Fury 1. So this is an infamous night in British boxing. Why? It was the night, I say, as I say, that many believed that the currently unbeaten heavyweight king should have lost his unbeaten record in a challenge to fellow traveller John McDermott for yes. his English title. Now, Fury in this one was having his eighth fight as a professional... Um, all seven wins had come via stoppage within four rounds he was really heavily hyped already mainly by himself to be fair <laughs> um, big bad John McDermott he was 25 and 5 he was a butcher and former ABA and English champion who had lost in a round to Matt Skelton after coming as a late standing but I'm pretty sure that was on the day Joe I seem to remember that being on the day I couldn't find anything online about the fight Oh, but I seem to remember that Matt Skelton had a fight which was due to be live on ITV. Yeah. And his opponent on the day fell out. Yeah. And they phoned up John McDermott, who was at work working as a trainee butcher. Yeah. I'm pretty (laughs) sure he was a trainee butcher at the time. I don't know if I've dreamt all of this. I'm pretty (laughs) sad. It's
0: happened.
1: (laughs) He got a call at work as a trainee butcher, put his big knife down and hop footed it straight. (laughs) <laughs> to a fight with Matt, Matt Skelton and promptly got knocked out in a round. But he'd also beaten good pros in Scott Gamma and Pele Reed. Yeah. So he had decent form going in. And in the preceding two fights before this one, he'd actually lost two really close and controversial decisions to Danny Williams for the British title. Yeah. So he was in good form heading into this. John, mate, was erratic as they come, and in this respect, he was in good company. If you think about the heavyweights at the time, the British scene was just full of totally unreliable, erratic, (laughs) not a heavyweight, whose performances would sort of swing wildly. So I think Danny Williams, Michael Sprott, Aldi Harrison, all these guys. And The thing I often think about at the time is it it was Matt Skelton who ended the period the sort of the top the top guy really domestically and he did yeah. it just by being Mr. Consistency just like you Joe yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> cheers, <Tom. laughs> so anyway in the build up to the fight right it had been like full of insults and animosity. McDermott had felt disrespected by the brash young sort of novice and with really good reason, yeah. Um the Gypsy King had labelled uh the not so sort of Svelte McDermott, McDonough, McMuffin <laughs> and Big Mac. <laughs> like. So he was proper going for it. Even back then, he was he was a witty bloke, man, even even back then. <laughs> So anyway, this one was held on the 11th of September 2009. It yeah. was at the Brentford Leisure Centre, I think. Wait. I think back then it was the Bre- in Brentford International Leisure Centre or yeah. something like that in World Essex. venue. Yeah, man. And it was in front of what I could only describe as a raucous and unruly crowd. There was a lot of... Really angry, drunk travelers in the crowd that night with both sides being being traveller fighters. Yeah. So on the lead into the fight, Fury was the one to three favourite and you could get two to one on McDermott. Yeah. So that's where they were going okay. in. They've actually broken down this fight round by round, though. It was an absolute bloody classic domestic dust up this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Round one, both fighters just come flying out of the Blocks, yeah. Fury was pumping out the jab for the whole round. McDermott fainting, stepping in with hard right hands. And they were connecting. Um, It was a brawl from the outset, this one. And after the bell rung at the end of the first, Tyson actually just stuck nothing. And McDermott reacted. Yeah, he he weren't having it. I remember that. Both corners spilled into the ring. It was tasty straight away. I thought it was a really difficult round to score. And I actually scored the first 10-10.
0: Yes. Round
1: two, Fury again throwing... Lots of jabs and generally just throwing punches with abandon. Uh, McDermott was looking to close the gap. His whole game plan was just getting his feet in close and landing hard, hard punches. And a minute into the round, he landed a huge left hook to the mm. chin of Tyson, which Fury took well. And I thought that that was an early indication of the type of chin that Fury has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Both landed a lot of punches. Fury, the high volume, and McDermott, slightly more eye-catching. What do you like, really, in this one? Sky liked Big Bad John for the second round running. I like both of them again. Again, Joe, this is really rare, but I've given the first two rounds now 10-10. I couldn't split them on either. Yeah, Uh, Round three, Fury changes his game plan up he wants to keep this long and that is his his whole thing he boxed beautifully for a novice mate yeah Uh, he clearly won in my opinion Um, Jim Watt on commentary thinks differently and that's a common feminist fight and that one I give to Fury Yeah. Round four, McDermott, he was straight out the gate. He was pouncing on Fury, Mm. clearly under instruction not to give Fury space like in the previous round. This round was a brawl, mate, which suits McDermott. Yeah. And so McDermott, I gave him that one. Going into the fifth round for the first time in Fury's career here, And these first four rounds were fought at a more ferocious pace than any of those fights were fought at.
0: Yeah.
1: But this round was actually fought cleanly and in good spirit. Both were boxing quite well and landing. McDermott's overhand rights, though, over the guard of fury, won it for me. They touched gloves at the end of the round. They're beating respect into each other here, mate. Yeah. This is good. (laughs) 10-9 to McDermott. Round six... Fury thinks better of the respect. He touches gloves at the start of the round. And then he just launches that. And he transitioned right yeah. that touch perfectly into a <laughs> stiff jab to the face. And, and it was, it wasn't booze from the crowd. They went, ooh, ooh, like that. It was tasty, mate. And, and Fury, I thought in that round, he boxed well off the jab to win that one, 10-9. Yeah. Round seven, they brought in close to open a round with Fury ending the sequence with a really low blow which seemed to badly affect McDermott you could tell on his face that that hurt him mm. and Tyson now was just fighting through exhaustion he was visibly uncomfortable by this stage in yeah. the fight he's forcing the work McDermott was picking his shots and he was seemingly landing everything he threw Yeah. but Tyson was throwing more punches and he seems to want it more he's digging in yeah. and he looks desperate for the win
0: right? yeah yeah
1: Jim Watt on commentary prefers McDermott's work and thinks that Tyson's blows are arm punches and therefore aren't scoring. I don't agree with that. McDermott's cornerman at the end of the round doesn't agree either. So he says, don't throw it away. We're going to cry again when we get home, aren't we, John? Mm. All right, and big John he visibly flinched at that comment. It's like he didn't want to be reminded of his past he's yeah. passed off it's yeah. like it was a real I thought that was a really sort of powerful moment in the fight Yeah, you could have seen but I think it worked it, it did put a fire in McDermott's belly it's Yeah, like, no I don't want to cry when I get home again he'd had his fights with Danny Williams in his previous two fights he let those fights go against Williams when he when he's doing well yeah and he, he didn't want to do the same in his fight and, and Hussein was, was reminding him of that don't go home and cry to your missus and kids again next week you don't need to like, <laughs> so round date Fury Tries to touch the jab um tries the, the the touch and jab combo again but McDermott this what time is wise to it. And he literally jabbed Tyson's outstretched hand. Mm. And I thought that was really cool, mate. And a minute in, <laughs> McDermott landed the punch of the fight for me, a massive overhand right, which Tyson walked straight onto, hands down. Tyson, a lot of the time in his fight, he's he's marching forward and he's he's getting in close and he's throwing body punches without setting things up with a jab first. Yeah. And, and that's suicide. I mean, you, you're going to get caught. You're so open when you're doing that because he's throwing combinations to the mm. body. Again, he was getting cool like this. So what noted in this round as well that Fury isn't even attempting to get out of the way of punches. Yeah. And he's right. Tyson is simply trying to outfight McDermott now. Yeah. This is Mano El Mano, as yeah. Carl Frotch would say. Uh, <laughs> it was a big round for Big John, this one. He landed bombs throughout. Fury looks almost completely spent 10-9 yeah. to to McDermott round nine a clean touch of gloves to start the round this was a big round all of a sudden for Fury right he was showing his heart his huge heart he forced out punch after punch he was throwing loads of body punches and he seemed to put a dent in McDermott for the first time I don't know where Fury got this from in the ninth because he, he just looked gone before that. And in the 10th, Hussein in the corner of McDermott... This is the him, last round, isn't the it? the last round. So he reads him the right act, uh, going into that 10th and final round. Don't he said, cry
0: at home again, you big pussy. <laughs> but he said so very close
1: <laughs> to that. He said, don't feel sorry for yourself. We've been here before. Right? And they touch gloves. And they hug it out and referee Terry O'Connor applauded that. It oh, was lovely. a beautiful show of respect at the end of you know going into this 10th round. And this round I thought actually pretty much summed up the entire fight. Fury threw, threw a thousand punches but McDermott was landing the cleaner stuff. Mm. I gave the round to McDermott. 10-9. Now at the completion of this the referee immediately raises Fury's hand at the yeah. final bell. Now yeah. this was the way in every English and British title fights at the time. There was no free judges. So as well as officiating the Fight Terry O'Connor was scoring it. He had it wide 98 to 92 to Fury, yeah, meaning that he gave Big John just two rounds. Yeah, that is a bit of a ridiculous score. Yeah, I had it at the end of that. If if you haven't been keeping it in touch, there, uh, listeners, <laughs> um, I had it 96 96 with those first two rounds drawn. Yeah, which to be fair, a real judge would never. Give two rounds drawn in a fight, let alone the first two rounds. Yeah. But in defense of my score, in boxing news, actually split the first two rounds. So I think that's all right.
0: Yeah. It was yeah. perfectly
1: reasonable. It was a cracker. Yeah. Like it, and in the aftermath, there was a lot of fallout in this one, Joe. Yeah. So it seemed that everyone ringside scored it for McDermott. Yeah. Um, Claude Abrams, who was the editor of boxing news at the time, and where we read the review of the fight from from this week's magazine lottery. He said he didn't speak to anyone in attendance. who scored it for Fury. Yeah. Jim Watt on commentary scored it ninety six ninety four McDermott. David Hay had it wider. He he scored
0: it by four rounds to McDermott. Let's not listen focus to David too Hay. much about David Hay's card. You know. <laughs> David Hay doesn't exactly like uh, Tyson Fury either. Fair play. You, but you, you thought uh, um, Fury won this. You didn't score it, but your impression was yeah. that Fury won it, right? No, I, when I watched the fight yesterday, the real thing of the fight was basically yeah Fury's work rate against John McDermott's cleaner work. But I just thought that when, when I was just watching the two of them boxing, It was obvious that Tyson Fury was on another level as a, you know, just boxing skills wise. Even then, he had, you could see the makers of that really, that world class jab pumping (laughs) it out. And I also thought, you know, not to take away from John McDermott's success, but I did think that when he had success, it was like, it was basically because Tyson Fury wasn't fighting the way he should have in that fight. Sure. And I just think overall, I was just, I was, more of the view that, okay, Fury's the better boxer. He's putting in more work. It's just a bit closer than he would have liked, but I probably would have had Fury by one or two in that fight. I didn't add up
1: my scores until the end of the fight. And I thought I'd scored it for Fury. My impression was that Fury had edged it yeah, just by digging in that little bit more in the vital moments of the fight and outworking John in the close rounds. yeah. Yeah. That's how I
0: read it. Uh, But, we are in a group of two, quite frankly. Yeah. I don't think it's the, the, the daylight robbery that a lot of people, no. are. so Frank Maloney at the time um, was obviously the promoter for John McDermott. So, so Frank Maloney, now, now Kelly Maloney, um, threw out all sorts of threats After the fight,
1: including legal action, which was quite ridiculous, he also made outlandish accusations about the referee, saying that he was biased due to a win that John McDermott's dad had had over him in the pros as young men. Oh, gosh. So he started bringing up all this sort of madness, which I think was ridiculous. But then he also said that he should have the right to promote the rematch as he would have had the right to promote the rematch if his man had won. Then he'd go, Oh right, okay. Fair enough, now we see what you're what you are doing here like fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's funny cuz a lot lot of fight I mean Claude Abrams, in his review of the fight he threw real doubt as to the talent of Tyson Fury. Now yeah. I think looking at that looking back you can maybe this is just with a benefit of hindsight. Yeah. But I think you can really see the makings of a true great there. Yeah. That yeah. was put for his thing. remember this was his eighth fight. He yeah. was a novice and he hadn't actually had a long amateur career. Yeah. He was a young man. I think actually, we look back and you know, he
0: actually looks quite good. Yeah, when yeah. you think about it, it was a, it was one of those gut checks that he probably had no idea was going to be a really important gut check at that stage. Yeah, and it's only when you're fighting in the middle of it, you're like, oh my god. I've got to get through this fight somehow. But that's what I think we learned about Fury there. We learned that he can t- he could take a punch, he could
1: fight at a ferocious page, yeah. pace, and he had that inner desire to win. Mm. He fought through, as you say, like proper adversity there, but and despite exhaustion. Yeah. Because that's the thing, when you can go through that and you've got nothing left, and he still didn't stop trying and he didn't stop throwing, even in their moments. Yeah. I think even at this stage, it's clear that he has the stuff that we talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, But we also learned he wasn't ready to step up a level. Yeah. Mick Hennessy had to be really careful with his matchmaking. He wasn't ready for Klitschko then. He wasn't, not quite <laughs> at that time. But he was ready
0: for a rematch with John McDermott a year later. Do you know what he would have been ready, though, for God. at that time? The sauna. He would have definitely yeah, been ready for that. the sauna wars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He looked like he'd been in a sauna. He had to look, because this was a stage of Fury's <laughs> yeah. career. yeah, where When he had hair. Well, he had <laughs> hair, but he would he admits since that he would, the night before a fight, he would drink maybe 8, 9, 10, 11 pints. That's shocking. And when you look at this fight, you kind of see it because he looks like he's kind of hungover. Yeah. And he's got that, his sweat has that, uh, that sort of sticky look. Oh, yeah. But you know when you're just sweating out <laughs> chemicals? Yeah. That's what he looks like, mate. If you compare John McDermott's sweat to Tyson Fury's, it looks thick, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's like a...
0: So you can see it on him. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, it was... Uh, it was, yeah. No, it's good you um, brought that, bought that fight up because when you look at the career of Tyson Fury and it's it's strange to think that, that there was this one little fight in this pocket of time that... You know, people actually a bit like with Floyd Mayweather. They go actually undefeated, but what about Castillo? Yeah. There's always there always seems to be one, one fight. Well, I think Joe Kawasaki, be... What about oh, um, Robin Reed? Robin Reed, yeah, absolutely. You know, yep. there's always one fight. Well, and I think could, to be fair, you never I think, know could go either
1: way. And this fight was close. You know, for me, I, I scored it a draw. There, this could have gone either way. He could have definitely lost that one. Yeah, um, I mean, he did the. They then rematched June the following year. Frank Maloney did promote that one, John. Did he? He did. (laughs) (laughs) And um, Fury, that was Fury's next... No, Fury had had two sort of nondescript wins in the meantime. He won on points and then he won by KO and they were against Journeyman. Yeah. right. And then he went into this one. McDermott, for whatever reason, didn't have a fight in between. Yeah. And they fought and... Fury won with a really decisive knockout in the ninth round yeah. on this one. He, he ended that rivalry. And after this, I mean, we don't need to talk about where Tyson Fury went. Mm, mm. We know that. But McDermott still had an interesting career after this. He only fought for another three years. Yeah. Uh, but he went on to um, knock out the PD King, Larry Olabamewu. Oh, he did. Of the yeah, show. The yeah. Man. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the Pid King uh, in and that was in his next fight actually he knocked him out in the first round he really? then suffered oh, wow. his own first round KO defeat to an unbeaten David Price oh
0: wow yeah and
1: then he ended his career in 2013 with a really impressive points win over Matt Skelton for his old English belt so Lovely. he ended the fight the, his career yeah. with a win over. You know, a guy who was former British champion had good success, Max Skelton, at the time. He He's a su- good fighter, John McDermott. Yeah, he was got a good pedigree. fighter, mate. He was. And then, last I heard him, I, I saw an interview with John McDermott. I think a couple of years ago now. And off memory, he was working the tracks, mate. He was working train tracks. Oh, okay.
0: So that's oh. where he ended up. But what an interesting career, really. Yeah, yeah. Have you got the stash of magazines for me, Joel? I do. All right, I'm going to pick out my uh, my edition. Right, I have pulled out an edition of Boxing News dated the 8th of December 2006 and on the front cover is Scott Harrison and the headline reads No place for a fragile mind after jail, drink problems and depression. Is the ring the last place Scott should be and for any of our listeners who don't know scott harrison was a world champion fighter who like many other before him had his demons so that's, this could be an interesting story mm, definitely i shall have a look at uh this edition see what's in there we also just just so everyone knows we've got winky right on the front cover as well with uh and also miguel cotto so uh yeah And also the other Harrison, Audley, fighting to save his career. Unlikely I'll do a piece on that. (laughs) That's
1: a serious cost list on that. Yeah, no, it's it's a good one. That's
0: good, yeah. You'll have a lot to choose from. Right. I think we are done. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening. And uh, Joel, do you have any final words? Love you all. And on that note, goodbye.